What is up, ladies and gents? We are back at the Busby Bay podcast. Colin here with Nathan Winkle. It's just the two of us this time. But uh, we're going to recap the Norwich and Sheffield United wins uh, from last week, as well as talk a little bit more about the Cup and uh, some of these other upcoming matches. So, uh, yeah, Nathan, how's it going today? Yeah, you know, the Busby Bays, we're, uh, we're playing a man down. Polly uh, got a straight red card, but uh, we're hoping to have him back in the next match. We're going to get the uh, the FA to rescind the uh, next suspension, but uh, yeah, pretty yeah, it good. was bullshit. It was just for a tweet about Scott McTominay, and it's all just spiraled out of control. Yeah, I mean, you know how Polly gets on Twitter. He gets a little anxious, and the ref was like, you know what, forget this. But yeah. other than that, we're all good. It's super hot here in Virginia. I kind of want to die, but um, you know, pretty typical summer stuff, you know. Yeah, it's like 93 right now in Mississippi. So whoever thought to colonize the American South, what an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's worked out great. Uh, anyway, so uh, last week we were supposed to record after the Sheffield United game, but it fell through because of conflicting schedules. But um, Manchester United a three nil win in a thoroughly dominant performance, and uh, Anthony Martial. Scoring the first hat trick by a Manchester United player in the Premier League since uh, Robin Van Persie when they won the Premier League on that day against Aston Villa in 2013. Yeah, um, definitely the more fun of the two games that we're going to talk about today to watch. Um, Tabloid Tony is back. Uh, I feel like the sun, the mirror, everybody instantly just started sending out uh, muckrakers to see what they could find. Um, haven't seen Tony play that well in a long time and it's making me nervous for his uh, personal life, but, uh, <laughs> he looked, he looked incredible. Uh, I wore my Martial jersey to the point where I was on the phone with my dad talking about the game over the weekend. I was like, I probably need to wash this thing. It's, it's disgusting at this point, but everybody had to know. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, that's the kind of, I, I think we had a discussion with Polly a few episodes ago about the kind of form that we expect from our starting striker at Manchester United. And Tony definitely lived up to it that day. Um, he didn't really get a chance at Norwich. Right? He came on in extra time, but for the most part, I mean, when he was on the ball, he looked lively. He looks confident. He looks like he's in a good run of form uh, after the restart. And I think it, this is just another record of, you know, something we haven't done since Sir Alex that's kind of off our back now. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It, it feels like we've had a couple instances where, you know, somebody was on a brace and you're sitting there hoping that the hat trick comes because it, it's almost like that Steve Young just got to get the monkey off your back thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so glad to see Tony do it because, you know, he's the kind of player that's been threatening to have a breakout game like that for, for a while. Not, not to say that he hasn't already had breakout games. But, like, this was one of those ones where Sheffield United's been a little a little weird uh, since the restart. But for the most part, they've been challenging for a Champions League spot like us all season. So, and they've been very, very sound defensively for the most part. And it, it's, it, it's a challenge to play Sheffield United. So, for Martial to have that medal in the box, especially considering he scored those the goals that he did, the you know, Ollie said in the postgame, those are the goals that... It, he expects his forwards to score. Uh, it's not something he's hoping for. It's an expectation. Uh, the team needs to be as ruthless as possible when they have the ball in the box. And God forbid if a United player has the ball in the six-yard box, like it has to go in the back of the net. 
um, no exception. So, it, I mean, he was clinical. Um, you would have loved to have seen his uh, strike partner uh, be as clinical, but at the very least, Rashford had two assists that day. And even though he didn't have his shooting boots on, he did have his uh, server's boots on and, I mean, just dished out some great ones. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, it, 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 referencing my conversation with my dad over the weekend, it was, you know, the the 3-0 scoreline almost flattered Sheffield a little bit because I really thought there was a legitimate reason to argue that we should have had five or six goals in that game. That was the, if we had been a little bit more clinical, we would have had that, you know, random game where you just pull up your ESPN app or whatever. And it says that Manchester city's beating somebody, you know, five nil, six nil. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, like how do you score that many goals like that? Um, You know, United had the opportunity to do that that day. So um, I, I just was very, very happy with everything that happened with that game for sure. And, and it wasn't really that Sheffield United were that unorganized either. Like For the most part, they kept their shape in the game well. They just, one, they couldn't get those counterattacking opportunities that they usually try to hit people with. And when they did have moments of, you know, offensive creativity, it was restricted to maybe a 15-minute period after the first water break. And Ollie addressed that at halftime, and they came out, you know, guns blazing again in the second half. And it, I'm... Not sure I can remember Sheffield United having a good possession in the second half after that. They United did a really good job locking them down defensively, and I think David De Gea maybe had one or two looks at the ball the whole game. Yeah, it, it what we saw in the Sheffield United game, I think, is what you and myself and Paulie were all very excited to potentially see in that Tottenham game. You know, coming right back, just guns firing um, on the restart, and it. Obviously, the Tottenham game was the Tottenham game, but this one, it, it just felt it, it felt like everything clicked. I mean, you saw um, this is what happens when our forwards get good service. Good things happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah, that that's um, a pretty basic law of soccer, but it, or football. But this is not something that United has been doing for a while. And so, yeah, there was a stat last season uh, comparing Lukaku, who at the time was struggling as he did most of last season and Harry Kane and the amount of chances that Harry Kane got compared to the chances that Lukaku got. And I think, you know, that's a huge compliment to the way or the system that Solskjaer has tried to instill here is getting our striker a lot of chances in front of goal each game, because you can't always rely on them to just convert those two or three chances. Yeah, for sure. And um, having Pogba and Bruno in the midfield, it. And then Matic there is kind of the linchpin at the six. I mean, it was just everything worked. You know, Matic was the Hoover vacuum. He was there to kind of link between the back line and then up to Pogba and Bruno. So that way they could do whatever they needed to do. Um, You know, Bruno had Bruno moments where he he had an errant pass or two here or there. But, you know, he was trying things. And, I mean, Pogba just was like – Pogba was lights out. the passes that he makes, there's probably two or three active midfielders right now that can make those passes, and it's just unbelievable that we still have him on our team after everything that he's been through. So hopefully he stays. Um, <laughs> but I, I posed the question in our Slack channel, specifically the third goal. I was just so impressed with everything that went into that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was doing my rewatch, there was three. There was a deflection that kind of broke up United's possession. So from that breakup on the right wing, I started counting. There was 13 passes before Martial scored his goal. 
Um, and it was just that was the kind of breakdown that I think we've all been waiting United to see, especially against a team that is organized, because that's the kind of stuff that we have to start doing better. Um, but, you know, they, they play the ball back. Maguire gets it immediately, um, kind of just passes it horizontally to Pogba, who's dropped back to the midfield. Pogba takes maybe two or three strides up, which, you know, for Pogba is like he probably moved probably 12 feet up past the midfield. But at that point, he just pings just a straight deadline ball to Bruno Fernandez at the top of the box. Bruno quickly back heels it. You've got Anthony just sitting right there, collects the ball, does a tur- you know, he has his back to goal, does a quick turn, maybe one or two strides, feeds it out to Rashford. And at that point, you knew that something special was going to happen because Rashford and Martial have shown that they have that connection. Mm-hmm. And Martial and Rashford both knew the moment Martial dumped that ball off to Rashford, he was gunning straight for the goal, and Rashford knew he was going to take one step and he was going to feed it. So the moment Martial's defender crashed onto Rashford, it was game over. And so when I said, was that one of the best goals that uh, we've watched post, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, I wasn't so much concerned about Martial's chip, as nice as it was and as cheeky mm-hmm. as it was. I was more concerned with everything that led up to it because I, I was enamored with that. I was so excited when I watched yeah. that. And that's the midfield quality that we've been, you know, waiting for to see between Pogba and Bruno Fernandes, the kind of players that if you have – if you have possession around midfield or around the halfway line, in a couple of seconds, you could be breaking up top. You know, it's just a real quick finding Bruno. Bruno was aware of, the, of Tony's positioning. And, I mean, his back heel wasn't perfect into his path or anything, but it was enough to, one, trick the defender who was watching Bruno and seeing what he was doing and where he was going to go or trying to predict where he was going to go. And it was accurate enough to put it in space for Tony to work something with Rashford. And Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it it was just a beautiful movement that we don't see a whole lot anymore. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was the typical back heel. If it works, you love it. If it doesn't, you're like, why the (laughs) fuck did you do that? So thankfully, Martial gathered the ball and of course we scored. So, um, GG, uh, to Sheffield United. It was just (laughs) our day that day. Um, yeah, yeah, when, when we have our best 11 out, that's when we can have these conversations where we say, you know, who who's who's going to beat us on on any given day when we have our best 11 out you know Housen had his video that he came out with after the Sheffield United game and he suggested at this point there's no if things stay static there's not injuries things like that there's no reason why United should lose a game for the rest of you know the quote unquote 2019 2020 season in all competitions i mean right now the squad's healthy so far uh, minus i think Twan Zabi. Um, so just, Ollie's got to figure out what is going to be the right, um, squad rotations to keep his guys fresh. Uh, of course, Bruno Fernandez, uh, has played 291 minutes inside eight days, which is like a lot. lot. (laughs) And I'm sure we're going to bring that back up in you know, 20 minutes when we talk about the Brighton preview, but, um, and we saw it was a little belabored this past weekend in the FA Cup against Norwich because um, Ali's just got to figure out what's going to be his lineup for for the games that we can quote unquote take off as we wait to you know try and play teams like a Chelsea or a Leicester City who are still on our schedule. So I right, mean, see how that goes. And let's talk about this Norwich game a little bit because 
Only a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's not waste our time on it. <laughs> oh, man. So the slack going on during this game was just a, a collective, what are we watching? <laughs> yeah. Um, the intensity of that game from both teams was just absent entirely in the first half. Um, the second half picked up a little bit, but it was still unusual what United were trying to work and how nonchalant some of their... I mean, I think the fullbacks and the wingers from the starting 11 are very much to blame for kind of a lack of service uh, going on through much of that game. It seemed like United were kind of bottled up in their possession. Um, most of the creativity was put down on Bruno Fernandez, who, you know, as we've seen, had a lot of errant balls, but also a lot of tired balls. And yeah. um, I don't know. It it seemed like maybe he was somebody who should have come off but didn't. But more on that later. Um, um, they're starting yeah. 11 was uh, Luke Shaw, Diago Dallo, fullbacks, Juan Mata, and Jesse Lingard on the wing, and a Fred, McTominay, and Bruno midfield behind Igalo. And, I mean, on paper, it's not the most exciting lineup, obviously, but this is still something, this is still a lineup that you would expect to handle Norwich pretty easily. Yeah, and I think that goes to uh, maybe a point for an argument that Polly might make. I'm going to put words in Polly's mouth. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Polly. Um, the, I, I, for a game like this against Norwich City in the FA Cup, this would have been the argument of, <clears throat> do we rotate the squad and figure it out as we go? Or do we put out our best 11, score a couple goals, blitz them, shell shock them, get everybody out in the 60th minute that needs to get out, and, you know, we move on. And... I think for the case of this Norwich game, there was an argument for us playing just our best lineup to start the game because Norwich really wasn't doing that much. I, for the most part, I felt like we controlled the possession well. Uh, we didn't give up a lot of clear opportunities. Obviously, the Todd Cantwell goal that made things interesting was uh, quite nice, and it's something that you would have liked to see United do a little bit better on um, shutting that down, but... It just felt like with the team selection, um, with Mata and Lingard and, you know, Bruno, and we were just too narrow. You know, we didn't have a lot of space out wide, mm -hmm. and it allowed Norwich to pack it in. And for the same reasons, like, we're hailing United's incredible play against Sheffield United, it's it, we did the opposite against Norwich because we weren't finding open spaces to spread them out. And so mm -hmm. Norwich was able to just pack it in and, you know, Agallo had to work his ass off to get that one goal. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> in my infamous player ratings, I gave him a good, you know, rating because he wasn't getting a lot of service. But when he did, he was putting in quite a bit of work up top to try yeah. and make something happen. You know, his hold up play was good. Uh, we saw him draw a red card. Uh, we saw him yeah. score a goal. So the, there was just a, a disconnect in the Norwich game in the flow of the formation that we didn't see in the Sheffield game. And so it was, it really took the air, I think out of everybody's balloon, you know, watching that game Wednesday versus watching that game Saturday. Yeah. And especially now that we have two opponents coming up that on paper were definitely better than it, it does give us a little bit of worry about what rotating the squad will mean for those sort of games. I think Igalo is somebody that we know we can 
trust to put the ball in the back of the net as long as the ball gets to his foot. But for the most part, Juan Mata is questionable. Jesse Lingard is questionable at best. I think you could make the argument that he's one of our more droppable players this season. But I mean, this McTominay and Fred midfield behind Bruno Fernandez is something that we've been able to rely on for most of this season. Um, do you think, I, I think for one, Bruno probably needs a break. I I don't know if I would start him against Brighton, but do you think that this Fred and McTominay midfield is just maybe a bit slow to come back from the break? Or do you think that there are actually problems maybe here? Um, I don't necessarily think there was problems. I mean, they were both, I mean, we still dominated possession against Norwich. It was just, I guess. Yeah, the possession itself just didn't do much for us. You know, possession for possession's sake doesn't do it. You know, it doesn't equate for a goal, which was very clear in that game. Um, The entire Louis van Gaal era. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I just wonder if, if you change what was going on up top, if it just makes life a little easier for McTominay and Fred, because it just... We would, we like I said, we just played so up the middle, so narrow that immediately we just we we weren't playing with space, and so McTominay and Fred were making a lot of horizontal passes. Not a whole lot was going on when we tried to pass forward, and then I mean, I think with Bruno playing as much as he has, it's just he's got to be exhausted at this point. I mean, that's that's a lot that he's putting together, and. With the third game in eight days, I'd like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt um, with Fred and Scott also playing relatively significant minutes and some of those games. is Everything just felt off, and you almost wonder if they walked into that game with the mentality, it's Norwich, whatever. Right. You know, because Norwich has been very poor, and we yeah. had their number all season with large victories. Yeah, I mean – the two times that we played them was target practice for Rashford and Martial. Yeah. But I, I'm not even sure if they had started over Igalo and Lingard, they would have gotten the ball that much. I, I mean, to be fair, when Rashford came on, he he was involved and he got back into the midfield and tried to be involved in possession. And that's the kind of player that he is. But I mean, I don't. It it, it looked like the first half of the Tottenham game to me with this the way that this midfield played. Yeah. It, we gave, uh, you know, Faulkner absolutely no reason to have to try and spread his team out, even though that's it, which I thought was interesting, too, because Norwich wants to play open. You know, they, they he they have that that want to play, you know, quote unquote, beautiful football. And that's how they got into the Premier League. And it's almost been their detriment this year because they want to play open and then teams just kill them because, you know, they just don't do a good good enough job of playing defense on the counterattack. But um, United gave them no reason to, to, to open up. Even when it was 1-0 uh, in United's favor, all of a sudden it felt like Norwich grew into it a little bit, and that's why Todd Cantwell was able to get his goal. And all of a sudden you're thinking like, yeah, are, are we about to get into a dogfight in Carroll Road right now? And sure as shit we did. I mean – Harry Maguire scored the game winner in like what was it the 118th minute? Yeah, like, off of a really scrappy rebound from a Pogba cross. Um, so I'm gonna say these stats real quick. Uh, Norwich had nine shots. How many do you think were on target? 
one. Yep. I remember this because I said the it goal. in the Slack. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. United had 37 shots, and only eight of them were on target. Yeah. Inexcusable, man. I mean, yeah. Tim Krul is a good goalkeeper. I recognize this. Yeah, but he, he was only challenged a few of those times. Yeah. Like, most and he of had time, a couple of good yeah. saves, but it was like, just put, put some more on frames. I mean, if you guys are getting 37 shots and only eight are on target, I mean, that's that's not what you want at all. Yeah. And, and, and I want to say that maybe half of those eight on target came in extra time. Yeah, because exactly. There, there were a couple times that Cruel was really put to the sword there at the end of regular time and did stop. Or the, yeah, the stoppage time at the end of the full 90 and then an extra time. Uh, Cruel was forced to make a couple of really, really good saves. And that's when we had first choice players out. Yeah, and that, that's when we started getting people on the pitch. And that's when Pogba had come on. And you, you kind of saw it the same way that that you know the effect that he had when he came on against Spurs and when we played against Sheffield United that he was starting to open up these spaces a little bit more and we were also putting more people forward uh which obviously helped with you know trying to get people in position to score goals and create goal scoring opportunities but i i don't know do you think <laughs> if we only play one of Bruno or Pogba we don't create the sort of space necessary or do you think that Maybe this is an effect of Bruno being higher up the pitch than Pogba normally is when he is on the pitch as a creator. Um, based on what we have right now, clearly, obviously, I would want Bruno and Pogba starting every game. Well, mm-hmm. just because we have to qualify everything, I, I will say that up front. I'll, uh, um, I think because we're going to see squad rotation again for this Brighton game, uh, and without getting too much into it, I think. There's an argument to be made as, as we were discussing about the idea of like Nemanja Matic being rotated like he was a starting pitcher, where if you're playing two and three games in a week, you know, he's going to start in your midfield one of those games and then maybe he comes in in relief and one or two others. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a midfield of maybe Pogba, Fred and Matic is doable because. Yep. Fred's like a little vacuum cleaner out there, and he likes to just run around. He's a, he, I mean, him and McTominay are both effort merchants. Um, they're, they're just all over the place, and I, but there just wasn't enough industry. So it's like if you can have Matic, who is your – you can rely on him to be just kind of the guy who's cleaning up everything that's happening in front of the back line, and he can get the ball to Pogba. Pogba can do that much more. Uh, and he can, you know, play back, he can play forward, depending on how he wants to do it. Um, and then Fred's just going to be all over the place. So I think, I think that's doable. I like the idea of it being Matic and then Fred or McTominay and Pogba, if it's not going to be a Pogba-Bruno midfield. Right. Um, I think it's redundant if you throw Scott and Fred on the field at the same time with maybe Pogba. So... I don't know. Yep. Let's just put our best players on the field. <laughs> we don't <laughs> yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah, whenever we can. Yeah. And I, I think this might have been a game that in hindsight you want to put your best goal scorers on in the first half, try to kill the game off, and then bring them off later. Yeah. Uh, That's our last opportunity to do that because now every game that we play in the FA Cup is yep. as important as a league match. I mean, we're in Wembley at this point, so expect yep. to see a strong lineup and, you know, 
more on that to come. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also worth mentioning another record that has not or has been in place uh, since before Sir Alex retired. We haven't had two goal scorers each score 20 goals in a season. And Rashford and Martial now both on 19 each. So, uh, you know, expect that milestone to be whipped out by whoever the commentator is the next time they score. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go ahead and just um, cross that milestone on, uh, what is it, tomorrow? <laughs> on uh, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. On Tuesday, 6, uh, 6.30, 2020? Yeah, let's make that happen. Yeah, let's do it. Nip it in the, the last. The last time that happened was in the 2010-11 season when Berbatov had 21 goals and Chicharito had 20 goals. Uh, both that, of those were all competitions. Was that the season where Berbatov like had almost all of his 20 goals by Christmas? Yes. Actually, I think he had 19 of them by Christmas, and he only scored like two in the second half of the season. And one of King them was in the FA Cup or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Berbatov is not. Mike yeah. LaBelle uh, mentioned him as the pl- his second most um, wanted player in icons for FIFA 21 was Berbatov. Wow. Chami I mean, didn't even make the list. I was like, what? Berbatov was a smooth player. I'll yeah. give him that. He was just very, very frustrating at United. And at, at times he fit perfectly, and at other times it was like, why is this Rooney's partner? <laughs> you know, it, I don't know. Chicharito though was on fire that season. I mean, dude was a super sub. Well, and, and Burba still represents the badge well. So, I mean, he's oh, already yeah. shout out yeah, to Burba's off. He's a cool person too. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe score in the champions league. <laughs> it would have been nice. Yeah. All right, uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back talk about the upcoming matches as well as our uh, semifinal draw against Chelsea and uh, possibly even a fan question. So stay tuned. And we are back with part two. Uh, so Manchester United play Brighton tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday. And then at the weekend, we play Bournemouth. Um Brighton have had a slightly better season than Bournemouth have. Uh, I think Bournemouth are currently in the relegation zone. But um, unfortunately, we don't have the best of history against teams that we should beat uh, that are near the bottom of the table. So, Nathan, do you think that we should start both Pogba and Bruno to try and kill this game off early? Or do you think that Ale should give one of them a rest, probably would be Bruno if he was to give one of them a rest um, in the starting 11. Um, I think I would like to see Bruno get a rest. Maybe he comes on in the 60 or 75th minute, but like we alluded to earlier, 291 minutes in, for, in three games inside of eight days. I mean, that's just, that's a lot. I, I know that they've had three months off um, and, Bruno is a high work rate midfielder, so he likes to be out and about, and he's got the match fitness. But I, I think he just – he looked pretty tired at, by, by the end of that Norwich game. He, he, he needs to get some Gatorade, uh, some Pedialyte, I don't know, some potassium, um, have, some, have some more protein in the diet and just chill out and let Pogba just run the show, I think, and he can come in. Um, because he just yeah. looked absolutely knackered by the end of that game. And I would like to have, uh, you know, 
Bruno and Pogba playing together against Bournemouth on the weekend as well. Because for whatever reason, Bournemouth is a team we struggle with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, typically Bournemouth are a pretty good team in the Premier League. I, I think it's remarkable that they've stayed up as long as they have, considering kind of how small they are. But uh, Eddie Howe and company definitely struggling this season. Um, yeah, Bournemouth are currently in the relegation zone because they have a slightly worse goal difference than West Ham. So they're going to be scrapping for points. And Brighton are actually in a... I mean, they've been decent since they've come back. They beat Arsenal in that 2-1 that was really funny for, to me for some reason. Um, oh, and also Baron Leno had that like shouting match after he got himself injured. Uh, and then was stretchered off, and then I think Arsenal conceded two goals with their backup keeper. And then their game after that was a draw with Leicester City. So it's been hard to get goals past Brighton since they've come back in those two games. Um, it may be ideal to have both of them on the pitch to help break them down, but they're still, you know, a bottom-of-the-table side. You would expect that maybe just Pogba on the field with Tony Martial and Marcus Rashford should be enough uh, to try and get a couple past them. Yeah. Um, Shout-outs to my girl, Jules Breach, uh, famous Brighton fan, the only one I could think of. Um, but so when we play them in November, which feels like a lifetime ago, so much so that Marcus Rojo was substituted into that game, um, we won 3-1. Inexplicably, we took a 2-0 lead inside the 20th minute from goals from Andres Pereira and Scott McTominay uh, before Marcus Rashford killed the game off in the 66th minute. Um, with a team like Brighton, um, obviously the one goal that they had against us was, was with Lewis Dunk. And Brighton's the kind of team that if we tighten up on set pieces, you like to think that our chances are pretty good, that we're not going to concede a goal against them as long as we are not conceding set piece goals. Um, I, I think for the most part in open play, they just don't have the you know, quality of player that's going to take our defenders one-on-one and get one past De Gea unless I guess they kick the ball directly at his hands. Um, so as much as I want to say I'm not worried about it, I also remember the game where, was it, Two seasons ago, we went to the Amex and lost, and it was just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I want us to do is find ourselves in that position because because we didn't take care of business at Tottenham. The gap is wider against Chelsea, and we at I mean, yeah, Wolves are on our. T- I mean, as things stand, Wolves we played one game less than them, but they are ahead of us on points by three. Yeah. So. And- we not only have to win to stave off all these other teams challenging for the top four, but you know Chelsea looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we we're in a position right now where I think for the most part we gotta probably go ahead and win every single game. I I, I don't like the idea of of having to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like the idea of leaving our destiny to some somebody else. Like just make it happen. I mean. Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace, West Ham. Like, those are all games that we we not only have to take three points, but for all intent and purposes, we should take three points. Yeah. Um, 
and with Bright, Brighton being that first one. So I like the idea of let's do the opposite of what happened in that Norwich game, uh, with the exception of Bruno, who I would like to see get a rest. Trot out your best best eleven, Ollie, and let's just shock and awe campaign. I think uh, if you've got Pogba providing the service that Martial likes and Rashford playing on the wing and then making those combo plays that they enjoy. I like the idea of having Greenwood probably out there on the right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't put two, three goals up on Brighton and walk out with the points that we need and then, you know, move on to Bournemouth who are unfortunately going to be pesky just because it, that seems to be our luck. Right. And this will be at the Amex, but there's no crowd to worry about. Um, they just have to worry about the arduous plane trip to the South Coast. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so difficult flying across the uh, the English uh, countryside. Yeah, it, it was apparently hard uh, to drive to Norwich from Manchester. They were talking about that route not being so direct uh, from Manchester to Norwich, or at least the commentators were. I don't know if that's just the route they took. Mm. Um and then after that, we've got Bournemouth, obviously. Um, but we've got another three days of rest in between the way that they've kind of fixed the schedule. Um, have they announced the date for the FA Cup semifinal yet? Uh, yes, yeah, so it looks like July 18th. Okay. So that would fit in. Although we're also technically supposed to play West Ham on July 18th. Yeah, so they'll they'll have to move that probably. Yeah. <laughs> that was... <laughs> The last week of the season, uh, or that's the week before the last week of the Premier League season, uh, we're probably going to have to play midweek then. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the one week that we didn't have a midweek game. Yeah, and that, so. the West Ham game is supposed to be in Manchester as well, so it's not even like you could just say, hey, we're going to just spend the week in London here and <laughs> yeah, just just stay in our favorite hotel. Yeah. So. All right, so preview for Brighton. What do you – do you think – what you've predicted to happen will happen or do you, or what you've said is the ideal scenario would happen or do you think something else is going to go down? Um, yeah. I, lads is Brighton. Just, just go beat the shit out of them, man. Yeah. Don't let that Norwich game be the indicator of, Hey, this is what happens when we take our foot off the gas. We find ourselves in a situation where we are staring down the barrel penalties against Tim Krul, which is the last thing that you want. Um, so handle your business. Uh, get two goals in the first half and make Brighton try and chase that game, and then maybe you find your third one that kills it off. Uh, especially with the lineup that we're going to have the ability to play. Um, I, yeah, I don't give me. Give me Rashford finally getting back on the score sheet. Give me a Tony Martial goal. And then, I don't know. This will be, be the week that Scott McTominay scores or something. Something yeah, weird. Right. Just to, like, upset Polly. Um, <laughs> so that way people are like, we, he's undroppable. Scott McTominay yeah. plays with a badge. Just um, score an absolute screamer from 40 yards. So it has that, like status of being a memorable memorable goal as well as you know being a goal yeah i i I would just say everybody keep cool heads against mape and then we're good yeah don't piss him off we saw what happened last time but um it's weird looking at the lineup though from that november game i mean we played andreas at the 10 with fred and scott yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Woof. <laughs> and that was the goal that Andreas scored. That was the game that he like scored a goal, but he volleyed it against a Brighton defender, and it just went into the back of his net. So, one of Perbera's two goals this season, both of them were accidents. Which, by the way, off topic, but I'll, I'll send it to you, Colin. I scored the most FIFA goal of all time. That was very similar to that prayer goal. The wow. guy was shooketh today. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Um, I think for this game, I would also like to see Brandon Williams come in for Luke Shaw and maybe a Fred and Matic midfield instead of Fred and McTominay. Uh, I've, Luke Shaw has not been doing it for me. Um, from what I've seen the last couple of games, I was not that impressed with him against Sheffield United. I gave him my lowest rating in the player ratings and he seemed almost more ineffective against Norwich, uh, giving the ball away a couple times, including playing one of the worst crosses I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> that didn't even land in the box, just kind of landed on the far side, right side of the pitch that somebody had to recover for. Um, but also, you know, for the sake of, legs or fresh legs uh luke shaw is also another player that's played a lot of minutes so yeah i I thought brandon williams came on and and put in a good shift weirdly enough you know he's a 60 60th minute sub and he managed to put in almost a full shift because we went into extra time there so i and he's he's young uh he's got you know he's he's a spark plug there on the left so i don't see why he shouldn't be nice and fresh to just play a full 90 if he needs to right there against Bournemouth. And I, I would like to see him now, now that Shaw has kind of gotten bled back into the the squad here. I'd like to see Brandon now start to get some minutes and they can have that duality because who knows, maybe at some point Ollie brings back the, the three back where it's Shaw playing third center back and Williams yeah. playing wing back or something. And we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, I love watching Brandon Williams play. I love seeing the youth do the thing. So let's, uh, let's get in. All right. So let's do a score prediction. I'm going to go three, one, like last time where we get all our goals in the first half and then have a quiet second half. Um, I'm going to say three, no, I, I think, um, I think the Todd Cantwell goal was an aberration. Also, you know, Sergio Romero was in goal, so we'll probably switch it back over to De Gea. I think De Gea's looking to get one back. Uh, Sheffield didn't do a lot to challenge him, but it was a competent performance. So I don't I don't see why De Gea shouldn't be looking to get a clean sheet. So yeah, I'll say I'll say three nil. Yeah, if De Gea played against Norwich, he probably would have at least caught that Cantwell ball before letting it slip through his hands into the net. Yeah. Which, by the way, which one of us was supposed to scout? We always make that joke, like, who's watching the Norwich oh, game to scout Todd Cantwell? Who's watching Todd Cantwell? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I think that was all of us, I, right? I watched the game. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a good player. I would definitely take him as a, a depth winger. If we had to um, choose between playing against him uh, in the Liverpool rivalry or in having him on the field, like... I oh, would yeah. I'd much rather him be on our bench than Liverpool's. Yeah. I'd rather him come to United and be squandered as a squad player than for him to go to Liverpool and unlock his potential where he then, you know, kills us for the next 10 years. So come on, son, join United. All right. So uh, before we leave, we're going to talk about 
a question posed by one of our readers, um, and it concerns Eric Bailly. Uh, so this is somebody who's pondering whether Eric Bailly should maybe earn a couple starts over Lindelof uh, these next couple games. Um, whether you, I mean, you could probably justify it for Ali as squad rotation, but also would probably give us a chance to see a Bailly Maguire partnership that we haven't really gotten the chance to see by out for injuries for most of this season. Um, I don't know about you, Nathan. I really like Eric by and I, I don't know where his head is at in terms of whether he wants to leave to get more starting time, but I, he is somebody that I would like to keep around and maybe this is a time that we could potentially do that without upsetting too many people. <laughs> Yeah, I um I like Bayi a lot as well. I mean, he was, I believe he was Jose's first signing. Um, yeah. And when he first came into the squad, I was really impressed with him. I liked uh, a lot of what he does. I like that he's aggressive. He's physical. Um, a lot of I think he has a lot of attributes you like to see in a center back. The problem is, is he can't stay healthy and he can't put anything consistent together. So. For every good performance, there's always the risk that he's rusty when he comes back, which is disappointing. Um, in the case of the Brighton game, I think Lindelof probably plays over him solely because Lindelof wasn't even in the 18 right. uh, against Norwich. So I'm sure Ollie was keeping him fresh. Um, I, I mean, I'd have to look at the advanced metrics again, and maybe we can just call upon Polly to do that for us. Uh, Polly Gunner Solskjaer, but um, I, it is very well-documented Lindelof's inability to play the ball in the air. It's just not a strength in his game. Um, and I'd have to relook at what, what Bailly's capable of, but certainly against teams that are going to try and play a lot of crosses in and just, you know, create chaos in the box, you, you would like to see um, somebody a, a little bit stronger in the air than Lindelof. And if Bailly's the guy, super down. He's already on the squad. I like him. Um uh, I even like it when he does weird things like against the Norwich game where he tried to go for a header at the touchline and then also like tried to draw a foul and didn't make yeah. contact either with the player or the ball. So top it was notch, kind of a, yeah, top notch shithousery from Eric Bailly. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, it, pretty it was reliable like, for that. Yeah, he looked like a magic carp just splashing <laughs> around. But, you know, that's that's what we get out of Eric Bailly. And I like it. So he's different. Um, and I think too, I, part of the big exposure moments for Lindelof's game have come from sort of fast break opportunities where, you know, he doesn't play the ball first time in the air when he's higher up the pitch than you would like to be as <laughs> a defender with somebody running at you. And his recovery isn't always the best. Although I think it might be worth mentioning that by in those situations might opt to just take out the player instead of trying to get a tackle in before he reaches De Gea. It'd be absolutely just cynical city. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, maybe Bergwijn doesn't score that goal if by in there because instead he's breaking his leg. Well, that was Maguire. That wasn't Lindelof. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Lindelof is a center back too. Like I, I like him there, and I, I've been quite fine with him. I I like how versatile he is, and you know he he did used to play fullback as well, and so I wonder if sometimes like those fullback tendencies just kind of creep into him when he's playing center back, and he does find himself in out of position in certain areas. But um, 
at the very least answer your question, reader, uh, listener, commenter. Um, I like Eric Bailly. I would like to see him get minutes. I would like to see him see, see him stay healthy because at the end of the day, if we just have one more center back, not named Phil Jones, that's healthy and can play. I like the sound of that. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll probably see a lot of squad rotation. I would assume we see Eric by a couple more times before the season's over. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I, but I, for the most part, I still think Lindelof McGuire partnership is something that's, we've seen grow into a really reliable pairing. And, uh, yeah, I, you don't necessarily want to mess up a good thing. Yeah. And that would be my argument against it. Just because Lindelof and McGuire have been pretty healthy all season. So, they've just played a lot of minutes together. And at this point they know their tendencies and are used to playing each other. And so if you had a, a real legitimate off season um, going into the 2021 season, then that's when maybe you start tinkering with things and seeing what a Bayi Maguire partnership would look like. And uh, yeah, I just would dis- disrupt the flow right now when we've got, you know, seven league games left, just get it done. Yep. With the uh, go with the girl you took to the dance. Don't don't start getting eyes for anybody else. All right. Well, that about does it for us on this episode of the Busby Babe podcast. We kept it under an hour this time. The, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the power of having just two individuals on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and hmm. also a slight lack of content. I mean, we did wait after for two games to happen to record again, but. Not a lot developing on other fronts, so. Well, I mean, if we want to take this over an hour real quick, uh, Angel Gomez very likely to leave at this point. Oh yeah, superstar Angel Gomez has yeah. done so much for us. I'm I'm gonna really miss our uh, Hobbit that plays the number ten. Um, so, yeah, quick reaction. Like Paulie said, there's only been one player that we've ever truly, truly missed leaving our academy, and that was Paul Pogba when we bought him. So. I guess we're just going to play the odds that Angel Gomez doesn't become Paul Pogba. And if he does, then Adidas will buy him back for us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Sugar Daddy. As long as that money still comes in, yeah. (laughs) If we don't switch to Nike by that point. Well, maybe that would be good for us to just start (laughs) switching back and forth. every. It's like if you stay in the same place long enough, you're, you're switching between like Comcast and Verizon Fios. Every time your promo pricing goes up, so that way you can get the best deal. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll wear Nike stuff again. That's fine. Yeah. It's not like we're going from Nike to Puma, like another team in the city of Manchester. Yeah, yeah, we're not going backwards. Plus, uh, if that Liverpool deal is to be believed, I mean, Nike's shelling out some money right now, so right. I'm into it. We'll see. Can we, can we get some Manchester United uh, Michael Jordan brand jerseys? Because I will empty my bank account. Nah, Jordan does that uh, college football team up north. So, uh, can you can you imagine though, like a Man United shirt, but it, it's so the with A the and Jordan the logo. with the Jordan. No. I know you want that nope. basketball jersey, Colin. I want the Lebrons, but over the Jordans. But uh, I have a feeling that Liverpool would Liverpool. get those first. Yeah. Yo, what if he, what if they do like a like a King James edition Liverpool jersey? Like how? Oh God. How are how are you gonna handle that, Colin? Like. That's I mean, he doesn't play for Cleveland anymore, so I'm not <laughs> as tied to him as I was, but it would it would hurt. It would suck. Either way, though, 
LeBron does the custom Ohio State jerseys whenever they play Michigan, so I'm good with that. <laughs> Bust me, babe. Stay tuned for a leaked picture of Colin wearing a Liverpool LeBron LeBron James jersey. Oh, God. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's gonna you get your walking us. papers from Brent like immediately after the picture. Like, That's going to do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> just tag this you, and then it's a uh, picture of Colin like, oh. <laughs> Stop. I will never wear Liverpool gear. Oh, my God. All right. We're out of here. Uh, I've been Colin. I've been Nathan. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>